Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. I had vehicle fires all the time when I was growing up as a kid. Wait, what? really? Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. What we would We about? would spray lighter fluid and all kinds of fluids into carburetors what? to kick, kick cars going. Yeah, oh, yeah. To get them? What do you mean to get yeah, them I mean, going? We'd, uh, I don't know how to explain this, Boom Crew. <laughs> um, you, the guys listening warning, to me, they, this is not to be recommended. Well, you can't even do it nowadays. I mean, carburetors aren't sitting at the top of the of the engine. I don't even know where they're at anymore. But they, yeah, we used to have to. You know, if a if a car was cold, you'd. I forget how we prime that pump that way, but we'd get yeah, we'd get carburation fires, big old flames coming out of carburetors and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Huh. Yeah, all kinds of fun wow. stuff. But that was just part of the deal. So w- was the flame up. to look cool? Like, what oh, was the no, purpose? No, no, no. <laughs> it wasn't to look cool. That's, that's kind of what I was wondering. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Was the flame Uh-oh. to look cool? I was like, are you trying to do that hot rod thing? Like, somebody, when you rev the engine? Somebody help me if you're a mechanic and you know what I'm talking about. And you're going, Carl, you don't know how to explain dip diddly. <laughs> well, help me then. Because I, but we, yeah, we, we sprayed. What did we spray in the carburetor, mechanics? Help me out. Text us three one two two seven four nine six two four, and it was this has huge relationship to our guest today because it was all about saving some coinage. Oh, you gotta save oh, a little okay. money, hey, man. Okay, anything you can to pinch a penny or two. <laughs> but before we get it. to our guest, and I know Rob West is going to weigh in on this. I'll bet he had flames coming out of his carburetors as a kid growing up. Okay. But before we do that, it's time for. <gasps> What's happening? Happy birthday. It's Alex's birthday. Come on, sing along. Happy birthday to you, Allie. Happy birthday to you. It just keeps going. You did it, Allie. You did it. You did it. 24 years of age. Yes. Way to go, sister. How do you feel? How do you feel for 24? (laughs) Feel pretty good for uh, 24, Mm. being totally sarcastic. I'm definitely not 24, but. You know what? I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm extremely grateful. Well, happy birthday, Allie. Thank and you. and I just birthday. want to take a moment to tell you how proud of you I am. Oh, thank um, you. I could not work with a better gal, really, except for my wife. That'd be great to have her in here, but she's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you get up and go. <laughs> Allie's in there. You go. But in all seriousness, Allie, you've been an incredible blessing in my life. Oh. You, are, you are an inspiration. You are a source of ballast for the ship. Uh, the stuff below the waterline in you, river runs through it. And I am proud to call you a friend, and you are a super trooper. Oh, man. that Thank you, Carly. I appreciate that. from the bottom of that. my heart, oh. you're like a sister or a daughter. I can't figure out. Some days it's a little of both. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'd rather oh. lean toward the daughter side than the sister side. Let me just tell you. But uh, no, it's a blessing having you here, sister. Wow. And happy birthday I to you. I appreciate that. I yeah. really do. Thank Boy, you. Feel good, though? I do. I, praise the Lord. I was telling Jonathan as we were walking in from the garage, got a good night's sleep last night. And you it's know what? Birthday praise. Present. That's there you a go. Good, I, it's a gift from the Lord. If you know, if I, I've talked a lot about some of my sleep struggles, but I feel like the Lord really gifted me with a good good night's sleep. So I woke up feeling refreshed and uh, ready for the day. Ready, so, ready to go. I'm Very grateful. We're going to jump in here. Let's get in Rob West. This is a hot topic. Rob, you ever save money by, oh, I've got boom crewers flooding here, guys. Lots yeah, of, starting, starting, starting fluid. fluid or ether. Thank you, boom crew. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, we shot starting. You ever shoot st- uh, starting fluid in your carburetor, Rob? No, I haven't. And I was about to say, you, you said lighter fluid. And I'm yeah, thinking no, that's no, not, no, no, not no, no, that's, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I blew it. But yeah, a cold engine, right? You spray it on there with, the, you know, little small engines. Yeah. And I guess you did it with cars too. But yeah, no, that's out of my wheelhouse. Yeah, sure. no, starting fluid. We used to carry around when we had these straight sixes. Yeah, I mean, and even the V8s with the, you got the carburetor on the top and you pop the air filter off. And there's the carburetor. You just shoot yeah. some starting fluid in that bad boy, fire it up, stand back, and That's then fire it. it up, and there you go. Well, <laughs> anything to save a shekel, right, Rob? <laughs> That's exactly right. Hey, by the way, happy yeah. birthday, Allie. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Good to have you with us this morning. Well, I'm honored to be here on your birthday. Get That's to spend really my exciting. birthday talking about money. Let's do it. All right, Rob, how do we get rich? Oh, wow. <laughs> My first question. <laughs> oh, right no, I, that's not the question we want to ask. You know, the, the, the amazing thing is, let's do start off with this. Yeah. Riches in God's kingdom is so different than our world's yeah. economy, isn't it, Rob? Yeah. yeah. Let's just well, begin really there. Is. Pour out your heart a minute. Well, let's do this because you know, this is, you know, when we think about money management, you know, the big idea here is that we live in the most prosperous nation the world has ever seen. And yet fear, confusion, and guilt related to finances are common at every income level. So why is that? Yeah, that's right. Well, the cultural perspective on handling money is driven by materialism, greed, and envy. But the biblical <laughs> worldview offers a radically different approach. It's freedom and continue contentment and generosity. The challenge is, uh, here's my experience, is that those who are most free from the emotional byproducts of financial decision-making have really answered two questions. The first is, who owns it? And the answer is a resounding, God owns it all, and that means I'm a steward. And the second is, how much is enough? Right? We've got to define enough, because what we read in the Scripture is, it's not money is the root of all evil, it's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. So if we pursue this world and the things of this world and money becomes an end and not a means to an end, well, it will never satisfy and we will have frustration and guilt. But when we pursue the kingdom of God, seek ye first the kingdom and with all abandon and full surrender, now money gets placed in its rightful spot as a tool to accomplish God's purposes. It's a means to an end. And guess what? Here's a little secret. It's most powerful when that means to an end is something other than you. Because now I'm giving it away and the grip of money is being loosened over my life. And now I could pursue God's purposes and my eternal perspective changes everything. You see, when I develop and cultivate that eternal mindset, it's a game changer. And and you all know this, you've experienced it. Uh, It really refocuses us on God's purposes. It allows us to be a part of God's grand story that's so much bigger than us, right? Yeah. And it offers contentment and satisfaction and joy that we just can't find anywhere else. Rob West, everybody. Rob West, everybody. We're going to have a whole morning with this cat daddy. Answering (laughs) your questions about finances. Yeah. So get your questions in right now. Okay. I want to boil it down even more. Because a lot of people say, well, either you uh, manage money or you allow God to steward, you, you, you become a steward of God's money. But it's, there's, a way, there's a bigger divide than that. Either money owns us or we are stewarding God's money. What's the, how do you measure someone out there driving right now? And you, they asked you, how do I know if I'm stewarding God's money or if money owns me? How can they tell, Rob? Mm. 
Yeah. Well, I think the first thing you've got to understand is that uh, if you're driven by the things of this world, you remember the, in Mark 4, uh, when in the parable of the sower, yeah. and the disciples asked the Lord, what was it that choked out the word from bearing 30, 60, 100-fold return? You remember what he said? He said it was yep. the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things. And the worries of you this know, world. In the worries of this world, right? And so when we pursue the temporal and that becomes our focus, well, there's no way we could pursue uh, the eternal and really have our mindset uh, focused on the eternal. And so that's really, I think, the first barometer is what drives me? And which world am I anchored to? Is it this, the here and now, or is it the age to come? Is it the eternal that really gets me motivated? And I think we've got to check our hearts and figure out if we've gotten caught up in greed, really. You know, we can uh, attempt to redeem greed in the name of the American dream if we're not careful. Yeah. And we've got to check our hearts and realize that God has a completely different opportunity and desire for us. He's always been about our hearts and our money management. Management is one of the key ways we work out our spiritual journey because it's the most tangible daily demonstration of where I've placed my trust and what's most important to me. So here's what you can do. Take a look at your spending. Larry Burkett used to say the way we manage money is the clearest indicator into what's going on in our lives spiritually. Your money management tells a story about what's most important to you. Remember Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So our heart follows our money. Well, where is your heart anchored to? Well, your spending tells a story about that. Now, we've got We want to enjoy what we've got. We've got to provide for our families. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, is it a true reflection of really what I want it to say? And if not, what changes do I need to make? I love it. Rob West, guys, if you don't hear him every week, it's time. Let me tell you, Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance, formerly Money Wise Live. You hear afternoons here at 3 p.m. on 90.1 FM. We're ready for your questions, all things Faith and Finance. We're ready. 312-274-9624. Get your text message in with your question for Rob West. 312-274-9624. Ask the experts all week. This is going to be an incredible balance to our show. Get them in, guys. You've got questions, they've got answers. It's Ask the Experts Week with Carlin Crew Mornings. Rob West with us. He is the host of Faith and Finance Live, heard weekdays here at 3 p.m. By the way, Boom Crew, I'm going to tell you right now, my bride and I were talking behind Rob's back last night, and she was saying, this guy is just loaded with wisdom. And uh, by the way, you had a great caller with a real deep Southern drawl that was talking about, this is a day or two ago, I guess, Rob. Yeah and talking about the impact that your show's had on his life. And he then he spoke, and he began to get weepy about mm. giving— you remember that, caller? I do, absolutely. About giving the—God had so convicted, so worked in his life through faith and finance that he began to order his finances in a way. Somebody came up hurting for a car. He had an extra one. And he began to weep over the joy of giving that extra car away to this person in need. Rob, that's got to thrill your heart when you hear those stories. Oh, it's incredible. And we we receive those every week. And it's not about me. It's because they're applying the wisdom from God's word and their experience how God has wired yeah. us, right? He's yeah. hardwired us for giving. And that's the good life. And what, when we get to share that and you hear in his voice just how it breaks his heart and the joy that's just overflowing from being able to help somebody – 
you know, he wasn't in the best of financial shape. No. And yet he was pouring yeah. into somebody else's life and saying, wow, Lord, look what I get to do. It's so cool. Yeah, my wife was just bragging on you. I didn't hear that segment, but uh, she said she did. Cool. Boom, correct. Listen, yeah. listen along, 3 p.m. every weekday here, Faith and Finance. This will change the trajectory of your life. I'm not over-promising. Mm. That is the truth. Okay, Allie. Hey, question from an 82-year-old. I need yeah. ideas on how to invest the sale of my house so that the money will be available to pay rent at an independent living facility. I'm totally mm. clear of debt and have um, enough to live in that place, enough on hand uh, for about eight years. Yeah. So I think the key would be, how can we stretch that eight years, right? Because if the Lord tarries and you're here a little, well, if he doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Because we're all going to be home with him. Right. Uh, but if he does and you're in good health, we know, we want this to last as long as it can, but we want to take as little risk as possible. So it would really all come down to how much income you need. And obviously I don't know that variable. So what I would say is the first thing I'd probably do is set aside a year's worth of expenses in, in just a high yield savings account. You can get three and a half, three and three quarters percent right now, which sounds like a lot. And it is compared to where we were a year and a half ago. But inflation is obviously sky high now, too. Uh, So your purchasing power is down. But nevertheless, I'd have a year's worth of expenses completely liquid. And then if you could get by, let's stay really safe and maybe ladder a a CD ladder, you know, with a third of it at at six months, a third at, at 12 months, a third at 18 months. And then every six months we can roll, you know, a third of it forward for another 18 months. And then every you know six months we have some coming due. Uh, that would be one option. If you want to take a little more risk, we could you know connect with an advisor and build a very conservative portfolio of largely bonds, probably seventy to eighty percent, maybe a little stock exposure with some dividend paying stocks. The idea would be to generate enough income so that you could pull safely four percent a year and never see that principal decline. But again, I would use an advisor with that. And if you need a certified kingdom advisor, which is the designation we recommend, there's 1,300 of these men and women across the country. Uh, just go to our website, faithfi.com, faithfi.com, and click find a CK. Yeah, guys, by the way, guys, faithfi is dynamite site. Faithfi, faithfi.com, faithfi, just get it, plug it in, get it in your browser, because it's something that you can go back and visit for coaching, um, tools of assessment, projection tools, you name it. It's all right there. Faithfi.com. Spread it around. Well, Rob, you mentioned laddering. We got a question that came in and someone asked, what are the important considerations when doing laddering? First of all, give yeah. a definition of what that means and then uh, what what's important to consider. Yeah, so often when we talk about laddering, we're thinking in terms of certificates of deposit, uh, although you could do it with other things. And the idea is we're stacking these investments on top of one another because when it comes to investing, we need to define the time horizon, which helps us understand what liquidity we we need, which just means how quickly do we need to be able to access this money. If we need to be able to access this money in less than three years, well, we're staying with banking products because we don't want to have the risk that the market's down we're having to pull money out. Whereas the longer our time horizon, the lesser our liquidity or access to the money needs are. So with laddering, that just simply says, okay, I want to maximize the return on my investment, but I also need access to my capital. So I'm going to maybe put a six-month CD with a a portion of my money on top of a 12-month CD 
and then an 18-month CD, and then every six months, a third of my money is coming due, so I can do two things. Number one, I can access it if I need to. I'm only you know six months away from the next time I can get to my money, uh, but the second thing is it gives me the opportunity to take advantage of higher rates when I reinvest it, so that's, that's the idea of lottery. Uh, tremendous, Rob. A uh, quick question I have for a friend that I am coaching up. He's one of my pastoral friends. They bought a home, Rob, uh, at a pretty good rate, um, really good interest rate. That's back when they had 3% money. They're outgrowing this home. They've got a new little yeah. one on the way. They want to get into something a little bit bigger, but um, it seems that the market here in Chicago has not corrected with with regard to the cost of housing, number one, the actual sale of the home. And then interest rates are still high. What would you yes. coach a young man who's got a, a bride, a little child, and another one on the way with regard to upsizing in a market where you might double your interest rate? Yeah. Well, be really careful because uh, affordability is down dramatically as interest rates are up because what we haven't seen yet is the housing market dip. Uh, You know, the incredible strength we've had in the housing market the last several years is not a bubble situation like 08 and 09 where we had systemic problems and, you know, easy credit and all the things that got us into that really challenging environment, the Great uh, Recession. This is different. This is driven by real demand. There's a shortage of homes in this country by at least two to three million because the millennials are reaching age 30. They're starting families and buying single family homes. People who were living in densely populated urban areas are now working remotely and they're moving out and buying houses. So there's just a need there because of that. Despite the fact that interest rates are up, the housing market has cooled and we've shifted from a raging seller's market where people were paying 20 and 30 percent above list, you know, in a matter of hours to really a buyer's market where houses will sit, you know, for weeks and maybe even a month or or a couple of months, and they're selling just below list. So average selling price right now is about 90% of list price or 97% of list price. So what would I do? Well, number one, I would say as a young family, the last thing you want to do is buy too much house because that's just really going to put pressure on you. You don't need, right? You don't ever need it, but you certainly don't need it when you are just getting started. And every month you've got this huge mortgage payment. So I would use 25% as your guideline, no more than 25% of your take-home pay for your mortgage payment, and that includes taxes and insurance. So if you can stay with that number, you're going to ensure you have enough left for everything else that's really important for you to be able to do. Number two is you're probably going to be in a little better better environment at the end of this year into next year than you are right now, because most economists are saying we're going to hit a recession here this year. Question is how deep it's going to be. But uh, with interest rates staying high and the Fed's indicated they're going to keep them up because they're attacking that inflation rate and it's not coming down as quick as they want. Plus the fact that we're going to hit some sort of a recession, at least in all likelihood this year, we're going to see housing prices come down a bit more. And so I would say just hold off over the next year. But whenever you do it, just don't buy too much house. Good words. Everything you need to start your day right. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. I love Rob West. I love this guy. I, you know what I love about him? Without naming names, there's a lot of finance guys out there. A couple of very high-profile ones. Rob's graciousness when dealing with tough issues of finance. And the reason that we need graciousness is 
finances are stressful enough as is. Yeah. Rather than having someone box your ears, how about someone grabs your heart and says, let me coach you down the path here. That's right. Rob West does that in a beautiful way. If you want to get con- contacted with Rob through his incredible website, go to faithfi, faithfi, faithfi.com. And uh, we'll probably get him talking about an app coming up here in a moment, too, that is unbelievable. Okay, let's get that question, Ellie. Husband and wife not on the same page with finances. Uh, One really wants to cut back on expenses. The other is not as committed to that. What is your advice, Rob? Yeah, a couple of thoughts there. Number one is my friend Shanti Feldhahn, the Harvard researcher. She wrote the book with her husband, Jeff, Thriving in Love and Money. It's a great read if you want to lean into this area. She says, and you won't be surprised by this, 80% of couples have conflict over money. And the two things that are really key to overcoming that in her research, number one is margin. What does that mean? Well, it wasn't a matter of their income level to overcome conflict. It was the fact that whatever their income was, they were living on less than that. And so that gap, that margin, that little bit of surplus was key to overcoming conflict. The second, you won't be surprised by this one either, communication. You've got to talk about it, right? So, you know, I would say, first of all, you all need to pull back and really have a conversation about what are your values and priorities as believers? Where do you, Where's God taking you and how can money be a tool to accomplish that? What are the things you all want to pursue now and in the future? Do you want to be able to give more? Like the gentleman who called the show this week, it was just in tears about the joy of giving. Is that something you want to be able to do? Do you want to be able to take a trip and, you know, enjoy your family together, some, you know, setting where you can just pour into each other? Do you want to be able to buy a house and so you want to save for the future. I mean, what are those things that God is driving you to now and later? And how can the budget, the spending plan every day be that instrument of peace to, co- to accomplish that? Because we've got to give every dollar a name if we want it to ultimately end up where it's going to go. Now, when we start with that values conversation, then all of a sudden it changes the game because we're sacrificing in the short term so we can accomplish the long term. The key is as you begin to talk about that and that budget becomes a reflection of who you are as a couple – And you've each got a portion of that maybe that's just allocated to you. You know, I've got a piece of my budget that's just allowed to be used for my hobbies and the things that I enjoy and the same for my wife. And, you know, that's just the way we work together. And then with our giving priorities, because what I heard in that question is, well, everyone needs help and yet inflation's high and our expenses are up. How do we balance that? Well, talk through that, you know, and make a plan that says, here's how we're going to approach that. And then build the budget that reflects that. And then the key is to come together each month through what I call a money date, where you're not pointing fingers, but you're making course corrections, you're evaluating your spending, and you're making some changes moving forward just in light of your circumstances. All right, coming up here, Rob, I want to do, you got questions coming in right now, 312-274-9624. Questions for Rob West right now, anything finance and faith, 312-274-9624. Rob A lot of people like my personality think budgets are constraining. The opposite is true. They're liberating. Uh, And and I just want to lay it down here, guys. Boomker, I need you to hear me. If you've got financial stress, my experience, Rob, is it's due in largest part to the fact that there's not a budget. And budgets actually create freedom and reduce stress. But for type A guys like me and a lot of guys and gals out there like me, it's inconceivable that a budget can be beneficial, Rob. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. The idea is we see it as something that's going to constrain me. It's going to hold me back. Uh, you know, now I've got this kind of governor on yeah. my spending, and, you know, I don't want that. And yet what we realize is whether you, you know, have just a few dollars to figure out how to allocate or you're a multimillion-dollar business, we all need a budget, a plan, because if we don't give every dollar a name, it's going to find its way somewhere, and I guarantee you it's probably not going to be the place that reflects what you're ultimately trying to accomplish. So the budget basically is just a way to say, after I pray and after I really think about what's most important to me and where I'm ultimately going, where God is taking me in the future, if money is a tool to accomplish that, then the budget is just how we're going to get there, right? And so it's really essential if we're ever going to truly be able to accomplish what we want because margin or surplus is the key. The problem is our level of spending will always always rise to our level of income unless we protest to the contrary. So the key is as your income grows throughout your life, unless you have a plan that says we've defined enough, right? We've, we've capped our lifestyle because this is what we prayerfully feel like God has called us to. And here's the plan that, that, you know, puts that into place, the spending plan, then, you know, we're just going to spend and spend and spend right up to the edge throughout our whole life. And we're never going to have any margin to truly do the things that we want to do to do some hilarious giving right. to save for the future or whatever that is. Well, the budget is the way that you pull that off. And, and so, and, and it's stress, Rob, it's yeah. undue, unneeded stress, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, because, you know, the reality is the biggest barrier to contentment and long-term financial security is your lifestyle. Uh, And so if we're spending more than we make, nothing else in our lives work, and that leads to stress. And then that spirals into the what-if game, uh, you know, which we can't do anything about. And the Lord says we shouldn't do that anyway because we just need to trust Him. And so a budget or a spending plan is really the key. So that's where the FaithFi app comes in, Carl, that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that work? You know, we built, uh, you know, Larry Burkett back in the late 70s popularized what he called the envelope system. A lot of our listeners still use it today. They literally have these number 10 envelopes and they have different categories on them like eating out and clothing and gifts and mainly the discretionary items. And then when they get their paycheck, they actually fund these envelopes and they carry them around with them. And when they're out, they're out. And that really puts a cap on the spending because we don't want to get to the end of the month and just look back and say, man, we really messed up that month. All right, here we go again. You know, we want to be able to course correct along the way. So we said, let's take the envelope system and put it into a beautiful, modern, simple interface. And we did that with the smartphone app, uh, FaithFi. And basically there's three different systems in there for somebody like you, Carl, who wants to be more directional instead of detailed, wants to be more hands-off instead of hands-on. There's a system for you just to track and kind of get a bird's eye view all the way to the more detailed hands-on person who wants to have the full-blown envelope system. But you and your spouse can finally stay on track. You'll know exactly what's left in each category at any point in the month. It connects to all your banks securely and credit cards and pulls your transactions down. Plus, there's a community and all kinds of learning and and articles and videos. So check it out. It's on our website, faithfi.com. Just click app. Yeah, dynamite app, by the way. Okay, Ellie, let's roll, sister. So this is a relatively quick one. Quick one. Do I bond rates lock in when you buy one or are they variable and move up and down for the year? Rob, we'll go ahead and answer mm, this. Yeah, right uh, both. So here's let me explain. So I bond stands for inflation bond. They're issued by the U.S. Treasury, backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. They're not very attractive, typically, unless we get in a high inflation environment. Well, guess what? That's where we are right now. So they were really hot last year because until October of last year, they were paying nine point 
9.6%. And this is guaranteed by the U.S. government. So you can get a risk-free 9.6% return. Everybody was going crazy over them for good reason. Uh, That interest rate changes. There's two components to it. I won't get into that, but it changes every six months. So as of November of 2022, it went from 9.6 to 6.8. We'll get the new rate in May. Again, every six months, it changes. But uh, the reality is once you purchase the I-bonds and you can only buy them electronically from treasurydirect.gov, you lock in the current rate for six months. So from the day you buy it, you get six months at that rate. At the end of that six-month period, they credit your account for that interest rate based on what it was at that moment. So today, if you were to buy 10000 it's the most you can buy per year per person in I-bonds, you'd get 6.8% for the next six months. At the end of that six months, you'd get the new rate. We won't know what that is until May the 1st. I can tell you it's going to be slightly lower, but it's it will still be attractive. When you don't know, who better to ask than an expert? You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Okay, guys, uh, we're up and rolling here on this beautiful Thursday morning, by the way. It's starting to, you know what? Spring is in the air. Just a little bit. It, I, I, it it's is? Just, it's just qu- almost there. We're going to have uh, a snowstorm today. I know, but it's still a, it's a springy snowstorm. <laughs> uh, Rob West right now with us. Uh, he, is our, he is the host of Faith and Finance. Every weekday, Faith and Finance Live, heard right here on 90.1. Get there. Listen to it. It is powerhouse. Whenever I can tune in, I'm like, man, this guy's a wealth of wisdom. And here's what's great. It's talking about finance, but through the lens of God's word. And that's the key. That is the key. Uh, We got a question teed up here. Yeah, my husband and I have a 12-unit building. We're both 62. He's retired, and I'm close to retirement. We want to sell it, but my husband is hesitant because of all of the capital gains. The building was purchased at close to 500000 It's probably worth $1.5 million now. Uh, This is what we're going to live on, so we're trying to see how to go about it. When is a good time to sell? Yeah, you know, this is a great question. And there's there's the financial aspect of this and the non-financial aspect of this. Of course, the financial aspect of this includes, you know, what is the cash-on-cash cash return? Uh, what kind of uh, return are they throwing off, uh, the ROI, return on investment for this property? Uh, and uh, what is the tax implications of selling? And then there's the non-financial aspect of this, too. We're entering another season of life, and the question is, uh, do we want to be you know, running a multifamily rental property, right. or would we rather take that cash and put it into a passive investment, turn it over to a, an investment advisor who can build a you know a stock and bond portfolio, especially while this market is down, uh, and take advantage right. of that. So, right. time, out, want, time out, Rob. Yeah, go time ahead. out. There in in a scenario like this, in so many, there might be forty variables you've got to sort yeah. through to come up. Yeah. What's the principle for sorting through variables before you continue on with this one? Yeah, I think we just want to not get in a binary trap, which is where we basically get locked in between I'm going to do this or that, and we want to take a step back. And this is where wise counsel comes in. And you know, I would love for you to have a godly financial advisor who's helping you make plans for okay. the rest of your life, and and really looking at all of those variables, including you know the financial side in terms of lessening your risk, making sure you're maximizing income during this season of life, dumping debt so you have flexibility and you're unencumbered 
unencumbered, but then also just your time. Where is God taking you in this next season of life? What do you want to be spending your time doing and perhaps running this property? Yeah, you could hire a property manager, but you know that may not be part of the equation. So I think the key is getting some counsel on, yes, you need to factor in the tax side of this. I think you know the challenge right now is uh, the housing market is softening, uh, but prices are still up. So this may be actually a great time to sell. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I would look at is if you want to do any giving out of this sale, you could transfer a portion of this property to a donor advised fund prior to the sale, and that portion of it wouldn't be subject to capital gains. Now we're and talking. then you could just give that money away, which would be awesome. So if you're planning on doing that, don't sell, then give. You want to give, then sell. And the folks at uh, the National Christian Foundation, NCF Giving, can help you with that. They're amazing. They are amazing. Okay, quick one here for you, Rob. Should I pay more than what I owe monthly for my car? I've got a 3.9% loan. Yeah, I love you getting out of debt as quickly as you can. Now, uh, that's not uh, at this expense of having no margin to fall back on. So if you don't have that emergency fund of three to six months expenses, that's priority number one, because I want you to have some flexibility for the unexpected, which will always come. Priority number two is if you have any high interest consumer debt, namely credit cards, especially right now with rates up, we want to dump that first. Let's go after that. But if you said, no, Rob, I'm I'm saving for the long term through my company sponsored plan. I've got my three to six months emergency funds. I don't have any credit cards. Uh, You know, I'm living on a budget and I've got some margin and I'm just wondering where to put it. Yeah, let's uh, let's pay off that car. And once it's done, let's keep making that payment to yourself into a savings account. So the next time you need to replace an automobile, we're doing it with cash. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Starting on Tuesday, Share kicks off. I am inviting you to pray. Grab a half an hour. This is powerful ministry. We're going to give you things to be praying about because I believe that good intercession is the result of good information. We're going to get you good information the morning of via a little video in here. And I want you to sign up. Get a half an hour slot. You can look through four or five days of half hour slots. There's some plenty of slots left. I think Tuesday's pretty much gone. But there's plenty of slots left. Bring a friend. Grab a half an hour slot. Text the word CREW to our number here, guys. We want you praying. We really do. CREW to 312-274-9624. Just the word CREW to 312-274-9624. Rob West with us, Ask the Expert. He is the host of Faith and Finance Live, and we are taking every kind of finance question you may have. 312-274-9624. We won't get to them all, but we will get as many as we can. This one on the table is about retirement. I work for the railroad. We'll get a pension from the Railroad Retirement Board. Uh, What other plan should I look at investing in, Rob? Yeah. So I think the first thing you've got to do is look at what you expect your expenses to be in retirement. So go ahead and work up that preliminary retirement budget. What you will find is most people end up living on about 70 to 80% of their pre-retirement income. Why is that? Well, the kids are off the payroll, perhaps. Uh, We're no longer saving for retirement. Maybe we drop that life insurance because we don't need it anymore. We're not commuting to work. I mean, you put all that together and you can live on less. Also, hopefully you're out of debt at that point. And I 
would really prioritizing being debt free by the time you enter retirement. So that largest expense, namely your home, comes out of the budget. So um, I would work on that spending plan and then figure out, is there going to be a gap when you look at your railroad retirement plus your Social Security, which was never intended to cover more than 40 percent of your pre-retirement income? Is there going to be a gap in your expenses between railroad plus Social Security? If so, that's what we're solving for in terms of being able to save enough so that you can convert that to an income stream that makes up that gap. Where would I do that? Well, if you have more than 10 years to retirement, I'd probably use a Roth IRA. uh, That's Roth, R-O-T-H, from Senator Roth. Uh, Or if you're less than 10 years, I'd probably use a traditional IRA so you can go ahead and get that tax deduction now. Okay, here's a hot one for you. What can we do with this digital currency soon to come into the global world? Discernment, please, Rob. (laughs) Run! Digital currency. Rob, Rob, I got some friends that were in it, and they'd say, run! What do you say, though, Rob? What do we do? Because it's coming. Yeah, so it depends on what we're talking about. So there's two things when we hear digital currency. There's the cryptos, which are completely unregulated. I think that technology, the blockchain technology, is here to stay and has far-reaching application beyond even as a means to exchange in a whole host of industries, including healthcare. And then there's the CBDC, the central bank digital currency that the that the U.S. is exploring, which is interesting. Over a hundred countries now representing ninety-five. of the global gross domestic product are exploring a digital currency, and the U.S. is clearly stepping up its activity. President Biden asked, uh, you know, various agencies to look at it. They came back with a report, and clearly we're moving forward in that direction. Is it a good thing? No, I'm not a fan of it, namely because of privacy. I mean, it can be done with or without privacy. The problem is that, you know, I don't have any reason to believe it's not going to overstep. I mean, it's (laughs) It's it's we have every reason to believe they will overstep. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Uh, So I I think for that reason, uh, I would love for us not to move in this direction. Mm. I think we're going to. I mean, uh, China's in a massive beta right now. They started working on theirs uh, in 2016. They're still in the pilot phase, but they have 260 million users involved in it. Basically, it would be a digital dollar issued by our central bank with the uh, full faith and credit of the United States government. Now, here's what's clear. Constitutionally, coinage is a congressional function. Uh, So the Treasury Department doesn't even have the authority to do this. They don't regulate coinage. They regulate banks. It's going to be hard to get the legislative buy-in due to the lack of trust. Uh, The Federal Reserve doesn't have the highest degree of trust right now, especially since what what we're seeing play out with their easy money, which is translated into 40-year high inflation. Um, So I think with a divided government, it's it's going to be slow to be adopted. Adopted, and you know you have to have both houses and the president aligned, and primarily because of pri- privacy concerns, uh, it will be an issue. Uh, cryptos, I wouldn't touch it as an investment. I mean, it's the wild, wild west. It's kind of like the dot coms in the late '90s. I mean, you added dot com to anything, pets dot com, and it went through the roof. And then we figured out that there was a lot of winners and losers, and a lot of carnage in the process. So don't touch crypto with your investment dollars and the digital currency from the U.S. Central Bank is still a wait and see, although it is moving forward. Uh, Quick question. Someone said, can Christians invest in stocks and how is that different than garden variety gambling? 
Yeah. Well, I, I think absolutely. And I think we see that modeled in scriptures that we're to take God's resources and use them wisely. And that means investing them uh, because we're losing purchasing power if we stick it under our mattress. I don't think that's a good use of God's money. You have to back up and say, what am I doing when I'm investing it? Well, I'm buying a very, very small percentage of an actual company with real sales and earnings. You know, So I'm deploying my capital into an actual company uh, with the hope of a profit, but there's something real behind it. And even now with the, uh, you know, really the incredible growth of what we call faith-based investing, I can actually invest in mutual funds and ETFs that are investing in companies, specifically avoiding companies that are misaligned with my values, but also, and this is really exciting, embracing companies that are promoting human flourishing. You know, one of the uh, mutual funds I was just looking at the other day, they're investing in the solar space, but specifically in companies that are removing and going around what is so predominant in that area, and that is slave labor in the solar supply chain. Well, they're avoiding all of those companies to put those companies out of business. And I love that, you know, so now we can invest in a way that's aligned with our faith. Well, that's completely different than the random chance of gambling where we're throwing caution to the wind, which the Bible is clearly against. The get-rich-quick mentality is is, uh, clearly frowned upon in Scripture. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Oh my goodness, questions are pouring in right now. We are going to do our dead level best to get these in here, and Rob, we're going to have to go lightning round on these as much as possible. Uh, Rob West with us right now, our guest. Uh, This is, I've got chill bumps right now. I do. I'm fired up. God is at work here today. We've got... Tens of thousands of you listening right now that are hungry to learn about how to honor God with your finances. And that is, isn't that thrilling, Allie? It really is. I also want to just do a step aside and say happy birthday to my good friend and co-host, Allie. Yes. Uh, Sister, I know you're 24 today. Um, (laughs) Let's go with that. We're going to stick with that. But Allie, I want to tell you what a privilege it is to work with you. Um, You are an inspiration to me. You're ballast here for this show. You always come in with a great attitude. You don't always leave with one after working with me, <laughs> but you always come in with one. I no, I, I'm kidding. Uh, but honestly, you are a blessing. Uh, I want you to know, guys, this is a righteous woman. I see her get convicted over the funniest stuff you can imagine. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's really cool. And oh. on behalf of the whole team, I want to tell you, we love you. You're a, you're a super trooper. I appreciate that. We are blessed to be working with you. I am, I am really, really grateful. And those of you who have wished me happy birthday on social media, I really appreciate you as well. So thank you. 24 years old. And that's what we're sticking with here today. Sticking with that. (laughs) Happy birthday. Back to our special guest as the expert week, Rob West. He is the host of Faith and Finance Live. You can find him every weekday here at 90.1 FM. Some of you are going, well, Shazam, look what I've been missing out on. Ah, You've been missing out. All right, let's roll. How does a person with around 140K seek stocks that aren't too risky? Most of it will probably go to my kids and my grandkids. I'm 72 years old. 
Yeah. Well, I would say you've got two options. Number one, you can do it yourself. And, you know, if you have the time and the interest and the expertise to go out and research the investments, I'd probably use with a 140,000 high quality mutual funds. What's a mutual fund? Well, it's just a basket of stocks and bonds and other assets. And you get the diversification that King Solomon talked about in the Bible. Uh, And that's a good idea because we're not putting all of our eggs in one basket. And, you know, I would say you probably want to be fairly balance. So the typical rule of thumb here in terms of stocks versus bonds, we used to say 100 minus your age is the percent you want in stocks with the balance in bonds. With people living longer these days, we now use 110 minus your age. So if you were to do that, that would come out to 38%, let's call it 40% in stocks, probably high quality dividend paying stocks, and then you'd want 60% in bonds. So you could use a good balanced mutual funds. Our friends at soundmindinvesting.org could help you with that. The Sound Mind Investing newsletter letter, which Larry Burkett was very fond of, is still in existence today, and it's great. Uh, Otherwise, I'd connect with a certified kingdom advisor. You can find one on our website at faithfi.com. Just click find a CKA. I'd interview two or three and find uh, an advisor that you feel like is a good fit for you, but who could manage that portfolio for you and really help make those buying and selling decisions and build that portfolio in a way that reflects your values. He mentioned that website. We've got a keyword for you to make it a little bit easier. Just text the word money to 312-274-9624. You're going to get a link to Rob's website where you can find the Certified Kingdom Advisor. And also as a bonus, uh, we're throwing in Rob's top 10 money moves to make in 2023. That's just our little bonus. It's a downloadable for you. So if you want that, just text the word money to 312-274-9624. Rob, what's the biggest challenge to financial freedom from anxiety? What's the greatest Mm. challenge? Yeah. Uh, You know, I think it's a couple of things. Uh, Number one is, you know, when we think about the the world's way of handling money, uh, we realize that this cultural worldview is built on materialism. It's the idea that you won't, you should spend all that you can. And in fact, it encourages us to spend more than we earn. It aggressively teaches us to be discontent. So it convinces us that we need something new or different, right? That's the whole purpose of marketing is to make you discontent with what you have. It also attaches our self-worth to our net worth. Boy. And, you know, that just, just flies in the face of the biblical worldview that says we find our identity in Christ, not in the things of this world. Uh, and it always teaches us that more is better. I mean, it really chokes out the word from bearing fruit. So I think that's the first issue. The second challenge with the cultural wor- worldview is fear. You know, it it really leads to the what-if game because fear demonstrates a lack of trust in God's provision. Uh, Larry Burkett used to say that our anxieties usually are not related to the lack of things, but to the loss of things. So Larry would go on to explain that one of Satan's favorite tools to discourage Christians is the question, what if? Because what if leads down the road to fear. And uh, what if leads to worry? Worry leads to fear. Fear is then a spiritual trap because it's the opposite of trust. And the antidote, of course, is God's word, because we know that in God's word, we'll see that Jesus has overcome the world and God is in control of the details. And in Christ, we gain so much more, even though the enemy wants us to worry about what we might lose. So we can steer clear of that what if game and, and get out of that. And then I think the third area and the final one is, is this idea of greed. Greed. 
that, you know, sin touches every area of our lives, including our finances. Uh, Greed turns possessions into idols. And, you know, in Luke 12, Jesus said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So greed is soul-destroying because it's selfish. And if we're not careful, we can attempt to redeem it, as I said earlier. So I think when we counteract that with a biblical worldview and understand that God owns it all and we're a steward, you know, the a biblical worldview begins and ends with a stewardship mentality. Uh, as I take my time and my talents and my treasure and truth and relationships, and I put all of those under the lordship of Christ, and then I know that as a steward, I'm to reflect the heart of the master, because the steward or the manager can't manage anything unless he or she knows what the master's intent is. That's why we go back to God's word to renew our minds. Get to know the team behind the scenes. Check out Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Ask the Experts Week. This has been lighting up. By the way, we've got a link for you. I don't think I've seen a link go out this fast in many months. No joking. This is going to get you a couple of things. Faithfy.com, which is the website also where you can find certified kingdom advisors and the link to the app. Plus a little bonus downloadable for you, which is Rob's top 10 money moves to make in 2023. How do you get all of that? You ask. I sound like I'm on Yo, those, man. those like late night commercials where it's like I'm selling a sham wow or something. Sham wow. <laughs> and there's Have more. Have you seen this guy that sells this treasure stuff? It's I can't called make people sold, wait. sold, sold, no. sold, sold, sold. That goofy commercial. No, I never oh, seen it's that. crazy. Anyway, all right, okay. let's get this resource <laughs> like I, out there. Now I'm really making you wait. Text the word money to 312-274-9624. I don't know if we've ever given you a link so chock full of stuff. Oh, my, but it's killer It's content. good. Text money to 312-274-9624. Rob, answer this one for someone. Do we need to continue life insurance? 59 and 55 years old. Home is paid off. Kids are all adults, and they're definitely feeling pressure from insurance companies. Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, the purpose for insurance, we've got to back up and look at that. The purpose for insurance is really to offset a risk that exists through the loss of generally income if the Lord were to call you home. So you've got a a spouse that's depending on your income. Maybe you have minor children at home and, you know, they're still depending upon your income. Uh, You know, if that's the case, then obviously you need life insurance. And at a minimum, you need 10 to 12 times your income. And I think this is very biblical. I mean, we're told to provide for our loved ones in scripture. The Bible repeatedly tells us it's wise to take precautions. So this doesn't run counter to scripture. Now, when do we no longer need that? Well, we no longer need that when we've built up our assets typically when we're entering the retirement season of life and redirecting our time and our energy to what God has for us next. Um, And we no longer have a risk there because if the Lord were to call one spouse home, well, you're not depending on that income to fund your expenses. So that life insurance can be dropped at that point. So until you get to that point where you're no longer saving for retirement and that wouldn't, uh, you know, that would create a hardship, you need that insurance. And, you know, at, at 59, you could get a 10 year, term policy, um, you know, just for the amount that you need to get to retirement. But at that point, that's absolutely one of those expenses that can come out of the budget. Get your info from a source you can trust. It's Ask the Experts Week with Carlin Crew Mornings. Then we got the source for you, Rob West, host of Faith and Finance Live, heard weekdays here at three o'clock. <laughs> 
not seen a link go out like this. I'm getting such a kick out of it. You know what this tells me, Boom Crew? You guys are really interested in being good stewards of God's yes. money. Yes, yes, that's... That's what it tells us. I mean, and you're doing great. So listen, you want to get a link to Rob's site and a cool little resource. What did you plug in there as well? Yeah, it's a downloadable uh, from earlier this year. Rob's top 10 money moves to make in 2023. So we're throwing that in. Just text the word money to 312-274-9624. Rob, this is a question from a family thinking ahead. If my family's current expenses are tightly managed at 50000 annually, how much should I save by sixty five? To retire from working. And then they throw in no plans to retire from ministry work, just paid work. Yeah, very good. So if you're looking to uh, generate 50000 in income, the question is, what is Social Security going to provide of that? So it, it was intended to cover 40%. So let's say it's going to do that, which leaves a gap of $30,000. So the question is, what do you need to generate $30,000 a year? Well, we would typically look at a 4% withdrawal rate. Um, and so that would be about 850000 Now, uh, you would, you know, you might look at that and say, well, that, you know, that's just not possible. I can't get there. Well, and, and in fact, I just did the number. It's about, it's a little less than 800,000. Um, and, and the idea there is this comes from research that was done decades ago by a guy named, last name Bengen, where he basically looked at, you know, if we have a conservative portfolio of investments, what safe withdrawal rate can we take out every year and never see the principal decline? And it was the 4% number. And so, if we were to take, you know, in your case, um, actually 750000 is the number at 4% a year, that would throw off 30000 a year uh, in income. Um, now, if you can't get there, then that's fine. Just save as much as you can, and maybe we can dial back our expenses. Maybe our house is paid off by the time you get retirement. Maybe you delay retirement, and so you can let your uh, both your Social Security grow by 8% a year up to age 70. By delaying that, that could get your check up and help to offset this gap. Um, maybe you're going to earn a little bit more at Social Security, and you'd want to check that out as well. But probably somewhere between five hundred dollars and $750,000 is going to be that safe number. Apart from that, you might need to make some course correction. Okay, Rob, another question came in here. This is a fun one because I built homes with my dad, our own homes. Things were different then, though, in Alaska. Somebody's asking, do I buy a new home or should I build my own? I'm assuming they're thinking via a general contractor. Rob, there can be some real money pits yeah. when you start getting being your own contractor, right, my friend? Yeah, and we still have some lingering effects from the pandemic with regard to supply chain and raw material prices and so forth. And so the cost of construction is still elevated, even though, like, for instance, lumber, which was through the roof, uh, you know, has has really st stabilized and, and come back to some more normal levels. Um, you know, there's probably a bunch of contractors out here listening to our audience today that are saying, no, <laughs> yeah. this could be a this could be a pleasant experience. And, yeah, no, it well, can be. You know, and, if you've and got a good general, can, it can be. If you, that's the key, right? And yet we've talked to so many, you and I both have, Carl, that have said, man, if I could do that over again, I wouldn't because right. it took more time. It was more expensive. There was a lot of headache and heartache that, that went with it. And so I think number one is just evaluate your you know desire and readiness to kind of participate in that process, which you know can be expensive and time consuming and so forth. Now, the benefit is obviously you get to design your home and you get to exactly what you want and you don't have to walk in and somebody, you know, accept somebody else's plan and 
features and design and, and all of that. But uh, you just need to be ready for all that comes with that. It's not for the faint of heart. And I would say the average person is probably better suited uh, to just buy an existing home. But if you're all in and you've got the right GC and you've got a not to exceed price, um, I would say tighten your seatbelt and go for it. Okay. We had someone call in and ask, um, I have a 20 plus old used vehicle with a 6.9 interest rate. Should I try to find a lower rate? Yeah, you'll you'll be challenged to find a lower rate in this environment. And the cost to refinance, if you've got a 6.9% rate on a used car, even if you could find one, it's the savings is going to be so minimal based on where rates are at right now that the cost to actually do the new loan, because there's going to be some transaction costs, plus the hassle factor is probably not going to justify, uh, you know, going through with it. So what I would say is just double down, dial in your budget, try to cut expenses, free up some margin and just attack that uh, current uh, loan with everything that you've got to get it paid off. I wouldn't focus your energy on refinancing at this point. A long car is here. Just one that hit my heart that I know a lot of people wrestle with. What is the valuation threshold to get rid of collision insurance? Or is it comp that covers damages? I forget. Yeah, so it's uh, comprehensive and, and collision, uh, and and you can drop collision. Um, you know, I think the the rule of thumb on that is you want to look at, uh, you know, first of all, uh, what is the value of that car? And, you know, when your annual premiums exceed 10% of your car's value, then it probably makes sense to drop your collision Hold insurance. Say that, say that again. When you're yeah, 10 annual premiums, so the total of all of the collision portion of the premium, okay. when it exceeds 10% of your car's value, oh, that's good. Uh, it's probably worth dropping it. Yeah, obviously you can't drop it if it's financed, but if it's paid off, you have that luxury. And uh, that's exactly. a good good rule of thumb. Okay. Okay. You want to answer this one right now? Uh, let's or? do another quick one okay. here. This is another one that came in by call. I have 84000 in a money market account. Should I put that somewhere else? Yeah, $80,000 in a money market. So I would say, what is the purpose of that money? Uh, you know, typically my emergency fund, I want three to six months expenses. I want that liquid. A money market is. I want it safe. It's relatively safe, not quite as safe as an FDIC insured account. We have seen money markets, quote, break the buck in the past. But if you're with a really, you know, large, reputable financial institution, that's not likely. Uh, money markets are more attractive now, whereas they haven't been in the last decade uh, with interest rates near zero. So I would say that's a fairly safe place for it. I guess I would just say if there's a portion of that 80K that's beyond your emergency fund that has a longer time horizon, perhaps you want to look at putting that to work. Good stuff from Rob West. Text money if you want the link and some bonus resources. Money to 312-274-9624. All right, we got Rob West with us. Ask the experts all week long. Rob is an amazing man of God. Look, I'm bragging on Allie today because it's her birthday. I'll do that at the top of the eight, and we'll do a proper brag session on her. (laughs) Because she's necessary. an awesome. Well, oh, yes, it is. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it is. You just sit over there and eat your birthday goodies. I do I'm have lots of birthday snacks here. My goodness. Thanks to Super Looks like a I'm cornucopia of grub. <laughs> I'm loaded up. Holy smokes. We got tangerines. We got chips. We got guacamole. So, we got muffins. We got Capri Suns. Give a little Suns. grace if you catch me with my mouth full. It's my birthday <laughs> it's and I'm snacking birthday. over here. <laughs> All right. Uh, but today we've got with us Rob West. Tremendous man of God. We we talk behind his back all the time. 
all the time. We do. It's, it's true, true, Rob. It's true. And it's always Aww. good. Uh, Faith and Finance Live. He is the host of this nationally syndicated show, heard weekdays here at 3 p.m., and we're answering questions. Everything about your finances. Whew, we got about an hour and 20 minutes to roll. Let's go. Hey, let's answer this one. We have a trust that directs our money in a way we no longer want it to go. Instead of paying money to update the trust, can we just create a will which will be dated after? And then they added only our house is in the name of the trust. Yeah. So people do, uh, for a variety of reasons, decide that they want to revoke a trust. And that's the idea behind a revocable trust is that uh, it can be revoked at any time by the grantor, the person that established it. So the key is the first step in dissolving a revocable trust is to remove all of the assets that have been transferred into it. In this case, it sounds like that's certainly the house, if not other things. And then the second step would be to fill out a formal revocation form stating that they're desire is to dissolve the trust. And then obviously the will would be what dictates how your uh, estate is transferred according to your wishes through the probate courts at your death. So whenever we're talking about trusts and changes and wills, you just really need a godly estate planning attorney who can navigate that with you, make sure that will is valid and in force. And then you go through the proper uh, steps of uh, actually revoking revoking that trust. And you, you may actually, if it had been filed with the probate court, need to you know, let them know of that as well. Uh, here's a question that came in. Uh, Rob, 10% is not mentioned in the New Testament. Yeah. Why do we say it is? And how much should we be giving? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. And and I don't say that it is. I mean, Jesus references the tithe, but clearly the tithe was a part of the law of Moses and we're under the law of Christ. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't think the tithe is necessarily for today. Although what I would say is that Jesus upped the bar in every situation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, He didn't, he didn't back off. So, uh, you know, when we look at that, we have to go back and first understand that, uh, you know, in truth, you Yes, it's an Old Testament concept, but there was actually three tithes in the Old Testament. There was the one for the Levites, the one for the temple, the one for the poor, which was every three years. So you add it up, and the tithe was 23 and a third percent every year, and that was just the beginning. They would make offerings for, you know, at the beginning of their harvest and so forth. Now, uh, Jesus enters the scene. He does take giving to a higher level. I think he shows us a different way of giving. I mean, the most famous giver in God's Word would be the widow, widow. right, who gives gave out of Everything her poverty she had yeah, yeah. And, and Jesus celebrates her heart you know when we look at uh, you know what he was talking about there he he didn't commend her for giving to the best synagogue in town he commended her for her sacrificial heart and so you know we look at this whole life generosity which by the way Jesus modeled by giving his life as a sacrifice and then when he talked about money here's what he said we should give as we've been blessed in Luke 638 to whom much is given much is required in Luke 12, 48. You know, we talked about the widow. So how should we then approach that? Well, I love what my friend Randy Alcorn says. He says, you know, use the tithe, the principle of the tithe as a great beginning point. He calls it the training wheels of giving. So we should give proportionately, um, you know, based on our increase. And we need to start with God's plan A, which is the local church, right? So I love the idea of you giving a tenth of your increase to the local church. But by all means, that's not the ending point. We should then be giving 
living beyond that sacrificially because those of us who have seen the cross and what Jesus did for us should be upping the ante and continuing to give. And here's a little secret. As you do that, you're going to find ways to order reorder your finances to, to do even more because of the joy that's going to follow. Okay, I, I got an honest question for you. I do not know what our people give at 180 Chicago as lead pastor of this church because I don't want to shepherd people according to their giving statements. Yeah. That being said, I do know that although we have a generous church, most churches have giving levels that per family unit average out around four, sometimes five, six percent. What's going on? Is this a heart issue? Is this a learning issue? Is it a little bit of everything? What's really happening here, Rob? Yeah, I think it's just like with so many things, you know, we don't operate from a biblical worldview. And I think when we put our finances under the Lordship of Christ and we reject the messages of this world, as we've talked about today, of materialism and greed and fear, uh, you know, when we reject that and we, we put our finances in its proper place as a tool to accomplish God's purposes and we, you know, dump debt and we live within our means and we define enough both for our accumulation and our lifestyle and we're very serious about capping our spending as our level of income rises, then, you know, we have the ability. The problem is, you know, I think the barriers to giving right now are number one, you know, spiritual for most folks. They're also financial, yeah. just the reality of the expenses and the, the debt payments and debt service that we have and the lifestyle that, you know, we're, we're caught in that comparison trap. And so we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and, you know, project this best version of our life that doesn't accurately reflect what we actually have coming in the way of income. I mean, all of that spiritual, financial, uh, you know, and, and, and even our vision, uh, you know, I think we're never going to outgive our vision for what God is doing and can do uh, through our generosity. So we've got to counteract all of that. The problem is the, the messages of this world are bombarding us yeah. and, you know, we've got to be serious about it. Get to know the team behind the scenes. Check out Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Guys, we want you praying. Allie just gave me some, uh, oh, we just have some fun in here. She said, hey, we need to get some more prayers in here. And you did a pretty good job last time. Yeah. Go ahead and do that, Carl. So I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> I love I love working with our it's team hilarious. here. Sometimes it's a hoot. Uh, Boom Crew, we need you praying. Next week is share. And by the way, I want to thank you ahead of time. The amount of generosity you guys have here is amazing. You put your money where your heart is. And that's a cool thing in your hearts for the Lord. And that's awesome. But we need you praying. We're looking for 10 prayers a half an hour. We're probably about 300 away. Superdye, give me a head count here right away if you could. We're actually a little over 400 we need Oh, really? Yeah. We need over Mm -hmm. 400. All right. So we got 150 or more of you in here, but we've got 400 slots to go. I'm asking you to jump in and pray. This is something you can do that will really reorient your heart. This is a gift to you, actually. So come get a half an hour slot right now. Bring friends. Uh, We want to fill them up. And this is not too much to ask for for 500 and some prayers when we've got a few hundred thousand that listen in a week. So would you be one of those right now? Text the word CREW to 312-274-9624. I promise you the joy will be yours. You're going to get good information to know how to make proper intercession. Text the word CREW to 312-274-9624.
This one is about debt. This person says, I owe collection debt. I'm trying to build my credit. I've tried Credit Karma, but I'm not sure if what they list is all I owe. How do I go about paying off debt and building back my credit? Yeah, it's a great question. So what I would do is I'd pull a credit report from each of the three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. The place to do that is annualcreditreport.com. That's actually a government website. You get the access to those credit reports free of charge, annualcreditreport.com. Once you pull those, let's make a current list of everything that you owe. And then at that point, we'd want to contact those creditors if they still own the debt and may have been sold to a collection agency and figure out. Do we want to try to settle the debt, which would allow the debt to be marked, settled in full on your credit report for less than you owe? And oftentimes they'll do that, in some cases, 50 percent of the value uh, or start a monthly payment plan and work out that to re-age the account and get it current. Uh, you know, really, there's nothing you can do to, quote, unquote, repair your credit. Uh, as long as the information is accurate by law, it's supposed to be there. Uh, so nobody can change that. But what you can do is get those balances updated to zero. That's going to improve your credit and give a lender confidence that at least you paid that off. And then as that becomes further and further in the past, it's going to affect your credit score less and less over time. The key is to have new good credit that's replacing it. So I'd open a secured credit card. You might put $300 on deposit with your bank, get them to issue a card against it up to $300, and then just put a small recurring budgeted item on that every month that hits that card, and then you pay it off. Um, And in doing so, you're going to have that reported to your credit report as an on-time payer every month. That plus those zero balances as you get those accounts paid off uh, is going to help to get your credit going in the right direction. What's the bigger yes to stay out of these financial scams? We all see them constantly from horrible financial advisors to uh, get your your credit score turned around when credit repair. Uh, What's the bigger yes rather than going, oh, avoid this and avoid that? Where should we go? Yeah, I mean, the bigger yes is just follow God's timeless principles of managing money. You know, there's the, the big five, <laughs> right? Go. So spend less than you earn, avoid debt, have some margin or some liquidity, set term, long-term goals, and give generously. I mean, if you do those five things, you'll be all set. Now, the key is, just remember, things are going to be coming at you all the time. I mean, you you mentioned a few of them. Uh, you know, what one of the ones that we're seeing on the, on the rise right now is something called title lock insurance. And it's all based on fear, right? Yeah, fear it's that a fear. Somebody, what is that all about? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, somebody's going to st- steal you know, your fraudulently home. take your home. Well, if they steal your home, they did it fraudulently, so they have no claim against it. So, you know, the title lock insurance is a joke, right? Because that's okay. Nothing- <laughs> this is clearing something up for me because I'm sitting there at home one night going, "Now, how in the cat hair does someone <laughs> steal your home when you own the title?" So you're saying that's yeah. bogus. No, absolutely. I mean, basically what they're going to do is they're going to notify you of any change in your deed. Well, the problem is if somebody fraudulently tries to change your deed, it's not going to hold up in court. The lender's not going to be able to evict you because it was done fraudulently. So, and you can do that yourself, you know, by, you know, a lot of these uh, counties now have uh, an alert that you can set up. If something changes with regard to your deed, they'll let you know. So yeah, don't pay for those things. And it's all fear mongering. We just need to be on our guard. Yeah. And if, if if there's someone in the house, just bring Young Thunder over. This is how you get rid of the. Um, That's right. In, uh, the, oh, like remember? A, yeah, like the ordinary dies. The ordinary dies, not the super dies. Yeah, how do you yeah. get? How do you get them out oh, of here? Yeah, someone comes in here like an ordinary. Now you get out! Get out! 
out of here. Go, go, go. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. how we get rid of ordinary dyes yeah. that Only are trying to imitate super dyes. Only so. super dyes alone. Oh and we just do that with a title. Uh, you got a home squatter? Kick him out right now. Hey, that's it. get out, squatter. Get out. Oh all right, see, my. and that's how we just get them out. My voice was already hoarse today. This is horrible. Wow. Do it all in the name of Jesus. Yes. Horrible. In the name of Jesus, go! All right, that's, that's how we do it. Sorry, with Rob. That. Sorry I know about that's that. a lot. Here's your Sorry, next Rob. question. We'll give you a second or two to recover from that. And I think about it. I really like this question. It has to deal with uh, credit cards. Is there any point in me using cash if my credit card is willing to give me 2 to 5% back on all my transactions? Yeah, yeah, there's some guys out there that are death on credit cards. Yeah, but so yeah, so I'm not one of them. It really does all come down to: Are you disciplined enough to use it? Credit cards are the problem; it's the way we use them. And so, yeah, there's been all kinds of carnage. I mean, credit card debt is approaching a trillion dollars. So it, there's a problem Yikes. here, right? If we wow. allow it to, you know, allow us to live beyond our means. Uh, so we've got to understand ourselves. Now, if you're able to live on a balanced budget, you're using credit cards only for budgeted items. You're paying them off at the end of the month, and you're getting your two or three percent back in the form of cash or some other reward great it adds a layer of convenience if you're using a debit card and that gets compromised well they're going to suck all the money out of your account and yes you could get it replenished but what about all those overdrafts in the meantime and all the hassle with a credit card you have a, a transaction that you didn't authorize you just say i didn't authorize it and you don't have to pay it uh, so there are some real benefits now here's the caveat the first month you can't pay off that balance in full you know put the oven on 350 and put it on the uh, the pan and stick it in and you know melt <laughs> that right. thing down right uh, get rid of it but if you can manage it I think there's no problem with that in my view boom crew celebrate what God is doing in you this is Carl and crew mornings everything Rob West one-stop shop including something that we threw in text the word money to 312-274-9624 website app and an added resource bonus downloadable those are fun top 10 money moves to make in 2023 you get all of this for free i'm just trying out my my my, my uh, your late night voice too great it wasn't great. quite in young thunder territory but it was yeah. very robust but you know those commercials that they always say but wait there's more and then they slash through, and you can get this for this is actually free and yeah, it's it really helpful. So text the word money to 312 274 9624. Money to 312 274 9624. Ready for the question? Let's go. When buying a house, how much money should I have saved in my bank account after giving the down payment? Does the old three to six months still hold true? Yeah, absolutely. So you want 20% going into that house. That's going to make sure you have a little bit of equity. If the housing market turns down, it's going to avoid that private mortgage insurance, which doesn't do anything for you. And it's going to cost you about 1% of the mortgage every year. Um, So you you want to go in with that 20% down. But yeah, you still need, in addition to that, at least that three months worth of expenses in emergency reserves, and it's for the unexpected, right? Now, if some there's expenses that we need to plan for, 
right? So when appliances get to the end of their useful life, we know tires are going to wear out. I mean, we should be planning for those. But then there's that unexpected thing that comes out of left field, the loss of a job or a medical event or something. We need reserves for that or else we're going to have to use credit cards. And we don't want that. So absolutely, you still need that after you buy that. House. Quick, uh, quick note on PMI. If I'm not mistaken, that doesn't just evaporate. With some lenders, you've got to call and tell them, I hit this 80 percent, whatever it is, threshold of loan to value. Uh, and right. some people are just paying on that. Rob, give us some advice on get rid of PMI. There's people listening right now that do not need to be paying that. And they are. That's exactly right. So once you get to 80% loan to value, you may have to get an appraisal to get that documented in, in order to convince your lender that you're there. But they're supposed to pull it off at 78%. They have to. Um, but with an FHA loan, you're never going to get rid of it. So you'd have to refinance in order to do that. But it's an, a cost that absolutely does nothing for you. New to the show? We're glad you're here. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Back to our topic at hand today, Ask the Experts. We have one hour left today, and we've got Rob West with us. Boom Crew, if you don't listen to 3 o'clock here at 90.1 every weekday, you're missing something. Some of you are like, who is this guy? We've had more links for him go out than we've yes. had almost anyone in the last few months. Hosts Faith and Finance Live, 3 o'clock here at afternoons. Also, a president and spokesperson of Kingdom Advisors. He has de- decades of success in the finance and business world. Let's go to Rob West. How much this is I love that we're starting this hour with this question because it kind of it's the foundation really of of how we want to be thinking about our money. How do I know how much to save and how much to give? I want to make sure I have enough in my savings account, but I also want to be a giver in addition to tithing. Yeah. Well, this is such a great question. I mentioned earlier that, you know, in my experience in counseling thousands of people and answering the many questions on the radio uh, for a, uh, over a decade now, um, you know, those who are most free from the emotional byproducts of financial decision making, the fear and the guilt and the frustration have really answered two questions. The first is how much is enough? Uh, excuse me. The first is who owns it? And, and obviously God owns it all. The second yeah. is how much is enough? So I think we have to define enough both for our lifestyle, how much we're going to spend on a monthly basis and our accumulation, how much we ultimately want to save. Uh, So when it comes to our savings goals, I mean, we can put prudent financial wisdom in place, but we always need to just be in a constant conversation with the Lord to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because there may be seasons in our life where God says, you know what, I want you to do something really scary. And I want you to make this really scary, radical, cheerful, hilarious gift and it's going to, you're going to feel it a little bit. And that's awesome. You need to go on that journey with the Lord because he is your provider. You can't outgive him. Right. But so if we start with that conventional wisdom, it would say, well, we need to have three to six months expenses saved in an emergency savings plan. And then we need to be saving for our medium term goals, like buying a house or buying a car. So we don't have to use debt, or at least we can minimize that. And yeah, we should probably be having 10 to 15% of our paycheck going toward retirement and All of those things are great, and I think that's prudent, financial, sound wisdom for us to to follow that plan. But we should be givers, and I think giving first. You know, I think one of the challenges with 
teaching around money, especially in Christian circles, is is that it starts with the purpose of money is to provide for our families. And although that's very biblical in First Timothy, and we see that throughout Scripture, I think the primary reason God gives to us is so we can be generous, so we can partner with right Him on. in His generosity story. Because if we start with provision, we're never going to get beyond our unending list of needs and wants. And so we crowd out the opportunity to be invested in God's grand story something much bigger than ourselves. So yes, heed prudent counsel and wisdom, be savers, but be in a constant conversation in the Lord so he can redirect you in your giving at any time. Rob, a question came in. How much time should we spend investigating investments? When does that become an an idol? Yeah, I think we always need to be checking our hearts on that. I mean, you know, what is it that causes you to lose sleep at night? What do you wake up thinking about? I mean, are you thinking about the things of this world? Are you constantly finding yourself flipping open that smartphone and pulling up your investments to see what the market's done and what percent am I up or down today? I mean, you know whether it's occupying a place in your life it was not intended to. And if it is, use that as a warning flag to say, maybe I need to turn this thing off and turn off the financial media and delete that app from my phone and maybe I check it, you know, once a month or once every couple of months. But if I'm in there every day and it's occupying my thought life, anything can become an idol. Yeah. Yeah. And replace our thought life around the eternal, which is really where we need to be focused. You've got questions. They've got answers. It's Ask the Experts Week with Carlin Crew Mornings. I was going to say that that Ask the Experts Week is really good. Rob West here, and we've got questions for him. Line them up, guys. Get them in. Text them to 312-274-9624. And someone call in, Rob, and says, how can someone who just got released from prison build up their credit when they have none? Yeah. You know, this is a challenge uh, when it comes to building credit is the lack of credit is going to hurt you in some cases just as bad as having poor credit. And so it's a matter of just establishing that positive credit history. It's going to take time and that's okay, but you've got to start somewhere. So where would you start? Well, there's something called a secured credit card. So if you don't have credit history, you're probably going to have difficulty getting an unsecured credit card where they just extend you a certain line of credit, let you charge against it and then hope you pay it back. And then if they if you don't, they can take certain steps to get a judgment against you and things like that. If you don't have credit, though, the secured card is another way to go where you essentially put a deposit on with, you know, account with your bank. So let's say $300. They're going to issue you a card against that where that deposit is the collateral. So you're going to get a limit up to what's on deposit with your bank. And then you start charging and paying it back every month, just like you would with a typical credit card, if you ever didn't pay them back, well, they have the right to take your deposit to pay it in full. But as long as you do, and I would use it for a budgeted, probably just a small recurring transaction, here's the key. When you do that every month, they're going to report that to your credit bureaus as you being an on-time payer. Well, that simple building of that on-time payment credit history is going to, over time, begin to establish some credit for you. And I think, you know, that's really the key. And then you can move beyond that at some point and qualify to buy a house once you save up or buy a car. There's also something called a credit builder loan that actually is for the sole purpose of building credit. You could check that out as well. But I think those strategies over time, you'll be surprised at how quickly you can establish some credit.
Okay, here's another one. I have been out of work since January 1st of this year. I expect to be unemployed for at least 12 more weeks. I am looking to take some money from my 401k. I think there is a way to do this without penalty. If there if there is a little bit of hardship, which there is, I hope I'm getting this question right. Do you have any information on how to do this? I think they're asking, can I take money out of my 401k without hardship or penalty? Hardship uh, provision, uh, the definition is immediate and heavy financial needs, according to the IRS, uh, that allows you to avoid uh, the 10% penalty in some cases. Um, So it won't allow you to avoid the taxes, but you may be able to sidestep that that 10% penalty in some situations. Uh, With the IRS counts as a hardship, uh, would they be things like certain medical expenses, costs related to purchasing a a residence, educational expenses. I mean, uh, there are some guidelines out there. And so I would check with your CPA. Uh, If you don't have one, I'd have her, you know, establish a relationship with a CPA who can help you qualify for this just to make sure that you do meet the IRS's definition for an immediate and a heavy financial need um, in in your situation to be able to get around that 10% penalty. But of course, it will be subject to taxes. A lot of discussion this morning, Rob, about getting a budget. In just a moment here, Boom Crew, we're going to give you a link where you can get a, if you've ever heard of the old envelope approach, this thing has been digitized now. And Rob West has invested a ton of hours and a ton of programming to get an amazing uh, budget app put together. So we're going to give you a link to all this in just a moment. Get ready because this is amazing content you're getting here today and we'll have that out to you. But when you're helping people with a budget, Rob, what areas do you find people are surprised that that's been a money sinkhole and now that I'm on a budget, we're getting that thing closed up? What 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 would you say is a shocker for most people when they actually get a budget cooking? Yeah. The biggest one, I think, for most folks that's a surprise is the eating out category. I was wondering. (laughs) Especially with food costs going through the roof. Now, you're paying a lot more at the grocery store, but that eating out bill, I mean, we've got a family of six. And I mean, it's I can barely get in and out of any restaurant right now without spending, you know, 80 to 100. Oh, for sure. (laughs) I mean, it's just insane. So, uh, you know, if we're especially with how busy we are and if you've got kids at home and you're running to soccer practice and you're at church, you know, a couple of days a week and and work and all the extracurricular activities, unless you're doing some serious meal planning, it's just so easy to get into this, you know, game of four, <laughs> you know, five days a week where some meal out and boy, it just adds up so quickly. Yeah. And so until you put a spotlight on that, Carl, by having a spending plan, having a way to track it, having visibility into your finances, you have no idea what you're spending. And I guarantee you, you'll be surprised. Yeah, I tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to say that, because when we first many years ago got onto a budget, you know, you get an idea in your mind about how much you're spending on eating out. And then my wife came back with the real numbers. And I'm like, that can't be right. And she goes, bub, it's right. (laughs) Wow. All right. More questions. Yep, we've got Rob West with us right now. Here's the question out there. I've worked for Chicago Public Schools for 26 years. Prior to that, I did 10 years in retail. Can I get both Social Security and my pension? Rob, what do you say? 
It is possible. However, Illinois is one of those states that opted out of Social Security in this case. So if you're not paying into the Social Security system and in place of that, the state has offered coverage through a pension that at least matches what you would have received from Social Security. Typically, you don't get Social Security. You, in fact, get the teacher's retirement system pension. Oh, hold on. Time out, Rob. You're telling me that the teacher's union then opted teachers out of Social Security so maybe people don't have their 40 quarters in to qualify for Social Security? Am I hearing that rightly? Yeah, so not every state participates in Social Security, and this goes back years and years. And Illinois is one of those that doesn't have coverage arrangements with Social Security. I didn't know that. So, you know, if you're a teacher in one of these states, like Illinois, uh, you know, in order to opt out of Social Security, states had to provide pensions that would provide benefits that were at least as good as what Social Security will provide. Now, it does, you know, when you have folks that have worked in outside of, uh, you know, a system uh, that didn't pay into Social Security where they were paying those FICA taxes, it can get confusing. And then uh, there's something called the windfall elimination provision that can reduce your benefits. So what you really need to do is contact the Social Security Administration, SSA.gov, get a meeting either in person or virtual or give them a call over the phone and just find out based on your actual work record, are you going to qualify for any Social Security benefits? And if you do, will they be reduced because of the windfall elimination provision? A question along these lines. Someone, let's just say they're in their 50s and they don't have their 40 quarters in. Would you recommend if you have the ability to go back and get some work to get that get vested in Social Security? How important is that? How do you measure that out, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I think if you had the opportunity to do that, I certainly would, um, because you're right. You have to have those 10 years or 40 quarters of paying into the system, and it's going to be based on what they call your high 35. So they take your 35 highest years of earnings, and that will determine what benefit you qualify for. And if you have the ability to get enough paid into Social Security so that you could get that check for life, I would absolutely do that. Okay. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got Rob West at taking your financial questions. Faith and Finance Live is the show he hosts weekday afternoons at 3 o'clock right here on Moody Radio. Text the word money if you want today's resource. Text money to 312-274-9624. Before we get to a question, we had someone texted in, Rob, all caps. Does that affect all of us in Illinois or just teachers? Uh, yeah, that's for teachers. Okay, because I think we just struck panic into the hearts of men and women. Okay. Yeah, we were talking about teachers. Yeah, okay, that's just teachers that opted out of social. And by the way, it, it should be fine. Uh, how do you prepare for an economy that is overspending? It, it's, it's rare, but we are in a unique position here in Chicago in that our debt is so high. What do you say to the average Jesus follower who's reliant upon pensions when you look up the road to Detroit and see that some of the unions settled for a dime on the dollar for their retirement? Yeah. 
Well, ultimately, God is our provider, and yet that's real, right? So uh, I think you've got to you know, be saving as much as you can along the way. Uh, if you're relying on a pension, I think the key is to order your finances in such a way that you live modestly. Uh, we're going to you know, hope and pray that, that, uh, you know, that there's uh, something there to pay out. I think the same is too, true with Social Security. Yeah. You know, folks are looking at the headlines and seeing, wait a minute, that Social Security trust fund is going to run out. In 2035, does that mean they're not going to be able to pay anything? No, it just means uh, they'll only be able to pay about 70% of the benefit. Well, what is going to happen? Well, that's such a political football that uh, they're not going to allow that to happen. And so, what's going to their watch? No, the proposals on the table right now are we're probably going to see the full retirement age be pushed out to age 70. We're also going to see an increase in the Social Security taxes to keep that system going. It's just a demographics problem. There's not enough workers to fund it right now, given the number of people that are collecting on it. So ultimately, we do all we can. We save all we can. We keep our lifestyle modest and we trust the Lord in the end of the day. At the end of the day, trust the Lord is the operative phrase. Okay, back to this yeah. question. Uh, my employee, employee offers an IRA account, but no matching contributions. Should I participate or open up my own IRA account privately? What do you say, Rob? Yeah, so I'm I'm just slightly confused by that question. IRAs are individual uh, accounts. Now, if your employer offers one, uh, maybe it's a simple IRA, and that would be something an employer can offer. But if they do, they have to either match uh, each employee's salary deduction on a dollar-for-dollar basis up to 3%. Um, or put in, you know, a specific amount that the plan defines. So there's, I would check back into that just to learn a little bit more, see if in fact, A, it is a simple IRA. And if it is, is there any kind of automatic contribution they're going to make or any kind of match up to 3%? Typically there is. And if so, I'd participate in that plan to start with. Yeah. Um, you can certainly open your own IRA, and I would be a big fan of that. You could put in 6500 this year, up to $7,500 uh, if you're over age 50. And by the way, if you haven't filed your 2022 taxes, you can actually contribute for last year as well. You want to find out where you can find a kingdom advisor? Find out where you can get that app that Rob has invested a significant amount of money and time to get this thing uploaded. And uh, we've even got a little bonus thing involved in this link. Yeah, top 10 money moves to make in 2023. So if you want all of that, just text the word money to 312-274-9624. Just text the word money. We had a single mom text in looking for some advice. Single mom with four kids. She says, with the rising cost of everything, I can only afford a one or two bedroom apartment. But of course, nobody wants to rent uh, to me with five people. And I don't want any government assistance. What do you say, Rob? Yeah, my heart breaks here. I've counseled uh, so many single parents and know the challenge that it is, frankly. And so let me just start by encouraging you. You are doing incredible work. Yeah, you are. This is not easy. And there are not clear answers here apart from knowing that God is your provider. He sees you and loves you beyond anything you could ask or imagine. Um, And this is where the body of Christ 
frankly, needs to step in and provide some assistance and some help. Uh, I understand you not wanting to take government assistance. I can certainly appreciate that. Um, and, you know, especially given where housing prices are, both rental prices and and uh, purchase uh, home prices, you know, it's incredibly difficult right now in this season. And so we're just going to need a miracle here. We need God to provide something that allows you to care for these sweet kids and for you to be able to be a mom and juggle all of the responsibilities you have. And I realize it's difficult and there are not clear answers here. Um, and yet there's somebody out there that has a, a home that they have reserved for this purpose and would love to put you in it. And so I think making this need known in a way that you're comfortable with to your church family, I think is key. Um, you know, looking for somebody who has a property that they'd be willing to rent to you, maybe slightly under market. Um, and, you know, if you don't want to take government assistance, I think the key is just obviously try to bring a fresh perspective by getting somebody else here involved in this who could help you navigate this and make wise choices. Maybe your church has a financial counseling ministry, somebody that could come alongside you and just pray and invite God into your financial life daily and trust him because we know he'll provide. Yeah. I I was going to chime in with you, but I have nothing to add except that don't, don't take away the opportunity for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. That's good. Yeah. Bring it to them. You'd be amazed. I have I am blown away at God's yeah. church. It is yeah. when there's situations like this, I have seen wallets emptied, homes opened, mountains yeah. moved to make That's things right. happen. So please give us a chance to love you. That's all I would say. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, here we go. We got just a few minutes left. Get your final questions in for Rob West. He is the host of Faith and Finance Live, heard weekdays here, 3 p.m. Also, we have a link for you, and what a joy. I love when we can help out people who are doing great work and uh, get links out, and boy, you guys are gobbling it up. If you want to find out this app, this Wi-Fi app that is a budgeting app that is truly, I believe some of these navigators out there are saying this is one of the best things since sliced bread. Uh, also, just Kingdom Advisors and links to tons of resources, as well as a special little something. Text the word money to 312-274-9624. Text money to get today's resource and all the links. Money to 312 274 9624. Okay, Rob, a question about the implications of carrying debt uh, with no intention to pay it off. My husband has about 40000 in student loans, this texter says. He refuses to pay and has no intention to pay. What are the worldly implications as well as the spiritual implications of this? And is there anything that you could say that might encourage him to change his mind about this? Yeah. Well, the financial implications are if you default on your student loan debt, that status is going to be reported to the credit reporting agencies. That's going to damage your credit rating and your future borrowing ability. I'm less concerned about your ability to borrow in the future, though, than uh, the other ramifications. And that is if these are government loans, the government could collect on the loans by taking funds from your wages, your tax refunds, other government payments. So there's garnishment uh, possibilities here. But I, I do think, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, 
we need to honor our commitments. And you may disagree with how the government's handling, you know, funds and certain things going on in this country. And yet we made a commitment to repay. And so I think we've got an obligation to do that. And the potential damage financially to your family uh, is going to be significant. And so I think as a result of that, the good news is there should be all kinds of repayment options that would allow you even to dial back this payment for a season uh, if your income is down. Uh, But we need to do the right thing as believers. I think, you know, part of uh, the role of money in our lives is is a testimony to the world uh, or a willingness to uh, honor our obligations. And when we do that, we do that as unto the Lord. And so I would just say uh, I would, you know, check your heart. Ask yourself, why am I not willing to pay this? And perhaps do I need to be open to the Lord uh, correcting me in this decision and getting back on track as much as I don't like this? And maybe it's grown dramatically because of the interest and everything that's been added to it, especially, you know, if you weren't paying during the pandemic. And I know that's frustrating and it might seem like you can never pay this off. And so it's like, why bother? But the damage and the fallout from not doing that is significant. So I would really rethink that prayerfully. Good feedback there, Rob. Okay. Uh, Here's another one for you. Uh, We have four adult children and four young children. Uh, In a will, what is the best way to earmark money specifically for raising underage children? Yeah. So that's where a trust is actually going to be more helpful. Uh, I mean, a a will is critical, especially when you have minor children, because the will is where you name the guardian of these children. If you and your wife were to pass away at the same time, or you and your husband, depending on who's writing this. Uh, So we've got to have a will, and that's where you need to check with a godly estate planning attorney and get that in place. And at the same time, probably do a a living will and a healthcare surrogate and a durable power of attorney and some of those other kind of crucial documents that everybody needs to have in place. But a trust would actually be really the most effective way where you name a trustee so that either if you're incapacitated or in the event that you, you know, uh, pass away, that you can name a trustee uh, who can handle your finances and distribute uh, these funds to uh, minors at the appropriate time and in basic and and in certain uh, circumstances. So having a little bit more control would be one of the benefits of a trust, but you could certainly do that uh, with a will with some pre-planning, but all of this should be done under the uh, influence and guidance of a competent estate planning attorney. Rob, quick question that came in. Is it ever right or okay for a Christian to sue another Christian? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I would say if we look to God's word, we would say no. Uh, it's just, you know, not the example that we want to have. And so I would look for every other way to settle that dispute. And I think that's very biblical that we should avoid suing other believers. Amen. Um, Peacemaker Ministries is a great example of a ministry that's dedicated to that purpose. And so perhaps you would both agree to be, you know, bound by uh, a somebody who could come in and provide the conciliation services. And, uh, you know, I think Peacemaker Ministries would be a great option that would honor the Lord, be a great testimony to the world, and could actually allow you to work through a dispute. Fantastic. When you don't know, who better to ask than an expert? You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings. 
Make sure you get signed up for our prayer crew. We've got about 400 slots still to fill. We're looking for those of you willing to put aside 30 minutes on your own schedule when it's convenient at the location of your choice. You want a prayer walk, you want a prayer drive, totally fine. Just text the word crew. We're going to be praying for share, which starts officially next Tuesday. Text the word crew to 312-274-9624. Just text the word crew. So what do you do when you're existing on Social Security, says this texter, nearly tops out my ability to also be on Medicaid, which I need to cover some pretty significant medical expenses. With the national budget being tenuous, would Social Security be stopped if the budget stopped until an agreement were reached? Rob, what would you offer to this uh, this person? Yeah. Well, although payments uh, could be delayed, this falls into a specific category called mandatory spending. And so typically we would not see uh, any kind of meaningful disruption in Social Security. Uh, you know, the, we run into this, you know, every so often and they always work through it. And it's not the time to work on solutions to longer term problems, which we clearly need to do. Um, you know, I mean, I think in this country, debt has gotten way out of control and the possibility of a liquidity or a debt crisis where we default, uh, especially with the rising interest rates and the debt service now being such a high percentage of our annual uh, budget here in the United States. Uh, it's a real issue where it hasn't been in the decades of, of the uh, in the past. Um, but it, it shouldn't affect Social Security this summer when we get into that situation and that comes around again. But we do need to deal with this longer term issue because I think the possibility of a debt crisis in our lifetime is more real now than ever. Uh, on a quick note on that, I've been hearing this forever, Rob. I've heard debt reductions since I was a teenager. And you are saying that we are finally getting to a breaking point here? Oh, I think so. Yeah, we just did a whole show on it the other day with Jerry Boyer, uh, an economist. And yeah, I mean, when we look at where we're at in terms of the debt versus our gross domestic product, now at 130 percent, there has not been a nation that has gotten to 130 percent that hasn't had a debt crisis. Uh, And although we can sustain that right now, the trajectory that we're on is not taking us to a good place. And it would result in a liquidity problem that would just create some real challenges here in this country. So we've we've got to get serious about it. And there's uh, plenty of lawmakers who understand that and are are kind of raising that drumbeat. And you're going to hear a lot more about that when we have this debt ceiling debate here this summer. Um, But it's something we're going to have to get on top of. And the interesting thing about this, Rob, is, and by the way, this is, this, all this is, and when you hear things like this, a boom crew, it's just a dinner bell to get on your knees before the Lord. That's all it is. It's God's dinner bell to say, let's get on our knees because we need the Lord and he can get us through anything. The interesting thing though, Rob, and I don't want to linger here more than 30 seconds. We are in such a polarized country. No one wants to be that guy that's going to tackle this thing head on. And I think it's going to take a crisis for us to even really address it. That's my take on this thing. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's going to be somewhat painful and and nobody, you know, it seems like everybody in Washington is more worried about whether they're going to get reelected than whether they're, you know, willing to do something hard. And and that obviously doesn't apply across the board, but I just think it's, in yeah, the aggregate. It's a truism, yeah. In the aggregate, yeah. you're right. Okay, let's get back to real life. Okay, we are close to retirement age. What's the safest place to conservatively earn interest on your savings? The stock market is so volatile these days. 
Yeah. So, I mean, right now we've got more attractive interest rates than we've had in a long, long time. So you can get three and three quarters percent on your FDIC insured liquid savings and you can get five percent on a CD in 18 months right now. And those are numbers we haven't seen uh, in in over a decade. Uh, Now, you got to put that alongside inflation, which is still north of six percent and realize that, you know, it's not very exciting even at those levels. Uh, But it, it is a benefit and a lot of uh, retirees are finding, you know, real uh, enthusiasm for those levels, which are, you know, paying them income they've not seen in a long time. I think the key, though, is just given how long people are living, uh, we've got to make sure we have a plan that's sustainable because these interest rates will come back down. And so I think that's where having a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio, even in your 70s and 80s, uh, makes sense just so you can, uh, you know, allow this money to last as long as possible. And that's where having an advisor to help you navigate that can be a real benefit. Text the word money if you want to get connected to Faith, the FaithFi app. Text the word money to 312-274-9624. You'll also see some bonus uh, downloadable uh, there as well. So text money to 312-274-9624. A uh, question for Rob, what is your view of donor-advised funds? Is there anything to watch out for there? No, I love donor advised funds. This is a best kept secret in wise giving. Uh, I call them a charitable checking account. That's the way you might think of it. So essentially, you're making a gift to a donor advised fund. When you do that, you go ahead and get the tax receipt, the contribution receipt for making the gift. At that point, it can't go anywhere except out to a 501c3 nonprofit charity or ministry, including your local church. Uh, the great thing is that you can do a strategy called bunching, where if you had excess or surplus funds. Let's say you wanted to put a couple of years worth of giving in your donor advised fund. um, And that way you get above the standard deduction as far as itemizing that on your tax return. Then at your discretion, you could gift that out to your ministries or your church at whatever period you want moving forward. It would be completely up to you. And with a few clicks of a button, you could distribute those funds either anonymously or in your name. Where they're really powerful, though, Ali, is with non-cash giving. So if I'm selling a business, I can actually transfer a portion of my business into my donor advised fund before I sell it. I don't pay any taxes on it and I can give it all away. I can do that with real estate. I can do that with a piece of art. I can do that with a farm. I can do that with stocks and bonds. So it's a great tool that's really simple and, uh, and can be the recipient of really any asset. Um, and when I put it in and I give it before I sell it, there's huge tax benefits to that. Rob, we've worn you out, bro dog, and you went <laughs> strong to the end. But we love you and we're, we're so grateful. Wow. Uh, Boom Crew, you're <laughs> listening in right now. This is Rob West. He is the host of Faith and Finance Live, heard weekdays here at 3 p.m. We've got a resource for you that you need to get. If you uh, have any inkling toward really getting serious about a budget and want a digital tool to do it with, you want this link. If you want to get a kingdom advisor or at least have it at the ready, who you can find out there that can give you some financial advice from a kingdom mindset platform, you want this link. If you want resources not only for budgeting but for investing and questions and answers galore, you want this link. I want everyone in the Boom Crew to come and get it right now. Just text the word money to 312 274 9624 text money to 
Rob, you killed it, man. I'm so proud of you. At one point here, about an hour ago, Allie looked at me and she goes, how does this guy do this? How does he know all this stuff? Because you don't just know principles. You know current numbers, percentage interest, uh, rate of return issues that are in flux constantly. So here's the question. Are you Rob West or have you been taken over by AI? <laughs> That's good. Just call me Chat GPT. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm proud of you, hey, buddy. Thanks uh, for being I here. I love today. you guys. When my alarm goes off at 5:30, I usually don't have a smile on my face except when I'm coming to hang out with the Boom Crew. The way you encourage and build people up and just are on fire for Jesus just inspires me and it's always a privilege to join you. Hey, and happy birthday, Allie. Thank you so much, Rob. It's and been we'll, a real joy right. to spend we'll part of my birthday morning with you. Yeah, it's been sweet. Yeah. We'll and see I'll you. see you guys next week. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. See you next week, hot dog. All right, go get a cup of coffee and a nap if Thanks. you must. We'll talk soon. Uh, again, that link is money. Yes, money to 312-274-9624. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this show cast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.